Welcome to HJ Talks About Social Housing, a dedicated podcast series from our social housing team at Hugh James. In this podcast, we talk about the latest sector developments and topical issues to help provide some practical guidance on all aspects affecting housing associations. We are lawyers, so we will touch on the legal standpoints surrounding the topics, but don't worry, we'll keep the legal ease to a minimum. Hi everyone, I'm Michaela Smeaton and I'm a solicitor in the dispute resolution team um, dealing with housing claims. I'm joined by my colleague Eleanor Walters, who is also a solicitor in the housing team. On today's Hugh James podcast, we are discussing access for repairs and when a decant should take place. And no, we're not talking about decanting wine, unfortunately, but decanting tenants in the context of disrepair claims. If you've listened to our Top Tips for Landlords podcast, you'll know that we've seen a significant increase in disrepair claims in the last few years, and that there has been an increase in access issues at properties as well, haven't there, Eleanor? Hi, everyone. Um, Actually, Michaela, before we start, is there any way we can actually change that topic? Well, I have tried a nice few uh, (laughs) wines recently. Maybe we can uh, change it to the Wine Review podcast? Never know who's listening, I suppose, Michaela. So back on track. Uh, More seriously, uh, yes, we have seen more and more tenants uh, refusing access for repairs to take place. Um, Sometimes tenants will say that this is actually on the advice of their solicitors, usually because their appointed expert has not had the opportunity to inspect the property yet, or they feel that there's some need to preserve the disrepair. Again, this is on their advice of their solicitors. Um, Whilst clearly this is wrong, it is sometimes we see only too often. Of course, this isn't a valid excuse from the tenant. Um, Both the housing disrepair protocol and your own tenancy agreements usually contain clauses uh, which provide for access to the property for inspection and repairs to take place. Uh, It is completely unreasonable for the tenant to refuse access for repairs in most circumstances, um, but even more so when they are the ones actually bringing a disrepair claim against you. Nevertheless, um, we do unfortunately see this on a regular basis, despite the tenant being in breach of the protocol and their own tenancy agreement. I myself find this um, frustrating, so I can only empathise and understand the frustrations that you as landlords must uh, feel yourselves, when essentially all you are doing as a landlord is trying to resolve the disrepair claim that's being brought by the tenant and to ultimately inspect and evaluate any issues at the property. Um, This is especially um, frustrating when the letter of claim is generally the first time that a landlord will be aware of any issues at the property. So what can landlords do to put themselves in the best position? The starting point is the tenancy agreement. Most tenancy agreements will provide that the tenant should provide access for inspection or repairs um, and that they should should be provided with 24 hours notice in cases unless there is an emergency. If you have pre-arranged an appointment, I would recommend that this is backed up by email, letter or text to confirm with the tenant what date you are coming and at what time. If then when your contractors or your inspector turns up and access is refused, um, a judge is more likely to consider you have acted reasonably if the claim later becomes litigated. We find that judges can be sympathetic to tenants complaining of disrepair. And if the tenant's evidence is that your contractors did not attend 
and your records aren't clear on the points or don't detail the time, date or reason for refusal, then the judge may be against you at trial on the interpretation of your records. It is helpful to record whether the tenant was in the property um, in an event of no access, whether the tenant was out, whether they refused access um, on the advice of their solicitors. We also recommend that a calling card is dropped if the tenant isn't in or refuses access and that a copy of that calling card is kept on your systems um, so that, again, you have evidence should you need to um, if the claim goes to trial. Again, we recommend that um, a follow-up letter is confirmed and sent out to say what date you have attempted to attend and when you intend to next go to the property. Uh, thanks, Makeda. Just really following on from um, what you say about records and just reiterating really that record keeping is just so crucial uh, as whilst non-access can be a defence to a claim, it's, it's not always a full defence. Um, judges have to consider whether a landlord has done enough to be considered reasonable in the circumstances and really one attempt at accessing the property on a non-pre-booked visit just is not likely to satisfy this requirement or convince um, any judge. We all know that calling cards are regularly left at properties asking tenants to make contact with you if access was not able to be obtained. What we really need to be doing, as Michaela said, is just following this up with a telephone call or a letter or something in writing, as it's just so easy 18 months down the line for the tenant to say they simply did not receive the calling card. And what then, if we've not followed it up, what evidence do we then have to convince the court that the calling card was left? It's just a really difficult um, situation, so we just can't stress um, enough how much record keeping is is crucial. Just moving on slightly, we, we would also recommend that um, you all have or, or have in place or create a non-access policy generally um, and follow it for claims of disrepair. This policy can deal with many areas in which access may be required within your organisation, for example, gas servicing and electrical testing. Organisations can have one policy with just separate procedures dealing with the different uh, ways in which access is required. Essentially, the reason you need access is um, sometimes irrelevant in one respect, but what really is relevant is how you then go about getting the access. If you don't have a non-access policy and would like some assistance in drafting one or any information or advice in respect of a policy, then please don't hesitate to get in touch with either Michaela or myself or um, any other member of uh, the housing management team. Generally, um, such policy should include how appointments are booked, what steps are taken in the event of a non-access and how many further attempts will be made uh, without engagement. As we've said previously, we would recommend that at each stage the action is taken, it's then followed up in writing, either a letter, email or a text message, as long as there's something on, on the system. If you do have a non-access policy or you decide after this uh, podcast to go on and draft one or have us look at one for you, then it's just really crucial that it, it is followed when dealing with the claims uh, if you don't follow it, a judge is likely to be far more critical of your organisation than actually if you don't have any policy um, or any procedures in place in the first place. Yeah, and if you get to a stage where you have attempted to access the property on a number of visits um, through pre-booked appointments made 24 hours in advance, 
um, and the works are urgent or necessary, then another option available is to consider an injunction against the tenant. If a term of the tenancy agreement is that access will be provided for repairs and then the tenant doesn't provide the access, they are in breach of their tenancy agreement. I've had one case recently where a tenant has complained of damp in a disrepair claim. Damp has been found upon inspection and then the tenant has refused the damp works to be carried out because they didn't want their wallpaper to be ruined. Unfortunately, as responsible landlords, you need to ensure that health and safety issues are dealt with and you cannot allow tenants to continue refusing access to the property. You also have a responsibility to protect the tenants, your assets and prevent any further decline to your properties. In those circumstances, you may be able to apply to the court for an injunction for access. However, before doing so, you should have considered other avenues, have written to the tenant or their solicitors and confirmed that if access isn't provided within a certain timescale, then you are going to consider commencing injunction proceedings. Again, if you'd like any advice or, or assistance on um, prospects of obtaining an injunction, um, please let us know. Uh, thanks, Michaela. I'm just now going to touch um, briefly on where you have severe repairs which are needed at a property uh, which actually cannot be completed with the tenant remaining living in the property. Obviously in situations like this you will have to decant the prop the tenant to an alternative property. When arranging a decant we just really need to make sure that there is an available property um, but one which is suitable for the tenant's needs and obviously that you follow any decant policy that you have for reasons obviously which we've um, gone through previously. Uh, you obviously uh, need to show that repairs cannot be carried out with the tenant at the property. Now, whilst I accept this will be an upheaval for the tenant, essentially the bottom line is that if works need to be done, it's hoped that the tenant will just accept the position um, even more so if they are bringing a claim against you for disrepair, because within that claim, they've led you to believe that the basis of their claim is to get the works done. And of course, not to try and get as much compensation and costs out of you as possible. Decants can, I suppose, be um, permanent as well as temporary, depending, of course, on the severity of the repairs required. If permanent, then you should be considering whether a home loss payment should be made to the uh, tenant at the point of the permanent decant. Uh, if temporary decant, then you will need to ensure that you have covered any moving fees or any fees associated with the decant that the tenant has had to pay out and again follow any decant policy that you have in place. Some tenants uh, will be more than happy to move permanently as it um, might suit them especially if they've been on a transfer list for a while or even if they just fancy a change of scenery. I know that lockdown is playing a big part in everyone this year, so uh, perhaps we could all do a change in the same four walls that we uh, stare at day in, day out. Obviously, not all tenants will welcome a decant and we have to accept that. Even, I suppose, if this will result in works being done, but I leave that to uh, Michaela and she'll deal with um, the refusal in more detail next. Yeah, of course, we're going to face some scenarios where tenants are just not going to be prepared to move, um, even if it's on a temporary basis. Um, we know that tenants do have high standards and um, sometimes the alternative accommodation offered is either not in the specific area the tenant is looking to live in 
or is not the size or standard that they are used to. If a tenant is not engaging with moving and are refusing a decant, then there are a couple of options available to you. As um, mentioned earlier, it is possible to obtain an injunction in cases where repairs are urgent or necessary. However, as explained by Eleanor um, just a minute ago, you will need to prove that there is no way to do works to the property whilst the tenant is still in occupation. And you will have to also show that a reasonable offer of suitable accommodation has been made. If you can satisfy these requirements, then you may be able to obtain an injunction for access, which includes a term that the tenant um, should be decanted. If you do not wish to proceed with an injunction, um, an alternative is to consider serving a notice seeking possession. However, due to the current notice periods, um, this is unlikely to be helpful in cases where works are urgent. And in those cases, um, we would strongly recommend that an injunction is pursued. Um, so thank you all for listening um, to our podcast today. Uh, Michaela and I have tried to cover uh, decant in general terms for you today. But of course, if any of you need any further advice, then please do not hesitate to contact Michaela or myself or indeed any other member of the housing uh, management team. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. And we very much look forward to continuing working with you all on these exciting disrepair claims in the future. If you would like to take part in the conversation, suggest a topic or need some further guidance for your organisation, please get in touch at socialhousing at hjtalks.co.uk. For more information on Hugh James and the services we offer, visit hughjames.com or check us out on Twitter at PropertyHJ.